Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, August the 21st. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. In fact, uh, let's say hello to our friend Bill. How are you, Bill? Reasonably well, reasonably well, Silvio. Uh, checking the weather, uh, we have uh, relatives in Southern California, so we have been in contact with them throughout. Fortunately, they are in one of the areas that was not hard hit, mm. so uh, we were a little relieved. But th- th- it is an extraordinary situation down there. They're not used to hurricanes. No, they're not. And and I thought it was, you know, and I know it's difficult at times like this to have a little humor, uh, but. Somebody put something on there saying that the Hillary hurricane has destroyed 35,000 emails. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was, I mean, just a little humor. I'm sure people out there don't want us to make fun of their situation, right. but, but it is a little humor. But another, um, another terrible tragedy, Bill, is the situation in Hawaii. That, oh, yes. Oh. And, and that just, you know, when you listen to people who know about this, you know, the immediate response, it's all climate change. But now we're beginning to write, maybe it wasn't climate change. Maybe it was more human incompetence, Bill. Well, that is something that's being brought up very delicately because, uh, you know, people make the point, well, you you can't predict something like this because the usual danger in, in those islands is tsunami. And that is what they spend most of their time and training on. Uh, However, fire is a danger everywhere. I mean, no no matter where you are, fire is always a danger. That's why we have fire departments. And they apparently were completely unprepared for a major fire. They're questioning now. One one executive of the government in Hawaii did resign uh, over this. Uh, The governor seems to be defensive. I think that they're going to have to have, you know, one of those blue ribbon commissions to look into exactly what happened, exactly what precautions were not taken that should have been taken anywhere. I mean, to say, well, another danger is the greater one in this area. Well, that's nice. But, you know, what if you what if you get number two or number three? Right. Uh, And I think I think there is going to be some accountability. I hope so. Terrible. Because there's a thousand people missing. I mean, a hundred people dead. And of that thousand people missing, I hate to be a pessimist, but I bet a lot of them are missing in action or, or dead. No, I so, think that's uh, probably true. And uh, that's a terrible situation. Well, let's begin with New York City for a quick second. Uh, I was watching the news, and it is really appalling to see the videos of these people just laying out on the streets. Uh, I mean, it's, it's appalling. And I kind of feel sorry for the migrants because – they were somehow, I think, led into this. They were told, you know, that we were going to take care of you in New York. And maybe they meant to and ran out of resources. But it's just not a pretty scene, uh, Bill, what I see on the TV of these people laying, just laying down on the streets. And and in some cases, they've had some problems, uh, different groups. I guess they have different nationalities. I mean, it's a terrible tragedy. And the mayor and the governor seem to be living in different planets, Bill. Well, the mayor and governor are both under the thumb of the Democratic Party. Uh, I, I think the, 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 the negligence on the part of the American press in this is breathtaking, not keeping us informed, really, that one of our two political parties has become increasingly radicalized over the years. And you have a state legislature and a New York City council that won't budge 
on ideological issues. You know, they how many people in this country really know who their their state legislator is or, or who their city councilman is? I mean, when you went into a, a voting booth when I lived in New York City, you went in to vote for the president, the, maybe the governor, uh, the senator. You might know the senator. You had a pretty good idea who the congressman was, but very few people follow state and local politics. So over the years, the radicals have been able to infiltrate into these systems and to become elected in 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 areas where they really were not wanted and we have in new york city a city council that is far to the left of the mayor we have in albany uh, the capital of new york a state legislature that is far to the left of the mayor of new york uh, and the mayor of new york himself is is a liberal but he can't get anything done without more resources and he doesn't have those resources we are also in the same situation that many cities are are in I say we, I don't actually live in New York City, but it's we, because the city is really the greater part of the state in terms of, of income. Uh, we have the same problem of the police force. People are leaving the police force in droves because they're not respected. They feel that if they make an arrest, that they will be the suspects. The attorney, the district attorney of Manhattan which is when people say the city, that's what they really mean is Manhattan, is the same district attorney who just had plenty of time to indict Donald Trump. But he's not doing his job. He's a Soros uh, district attorney. Um, people uh, get arrested for crimes and they're let right back on the street or they're given a, a, a slap on the wrist. Uh, the, the level of violence in the city is completely unacceptable. Uh, there are a number of mentally ill people running around the, the city uh, because of policies. And many people are leaving New York City. And those who want to come are still faced with enormously expensive prices right. on housing. Bad right. situation all around. No, bad situation all around. Uh, you know, we have a little problem like that down here in Austin, Texas, where a very liberal uh, city council decided to cut the police. And I guess the biggest difference is, is that we have a governor who won't put up with it. We have a governor who has already sent in uh, special, there's like state police. I think they're called the Texas Rangers, if I'm, if I'm correct. But they've, they've been sent, sent in to supplement uh, the local police. And we have a governor <laughs> who has made it very clear that he's not putting up with this. But I yes. think that's the difference between at least our governor is trying to fix the problem the governor of New York cannot fix the problem. Maybe she's afraid of the left. And that leads me to a larger uh, point, Bill, about these cities and the problems that they're having. In every one of these cities, whether it's Chicago, New York City, Baltimore, California, Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, uh, you have a terrible city council, but you have a governor who doesn't seem to care who doesn't seem to want to say, no, I'm not going to let my city fall apart. Uh, and that's that's the sad part about it, because if you had a governor willing to fight for these cities, maybe these cities could be saved, uh, Bill. Well, that's very, very true. But if you look at the situation in both New York and California, you have a governor who is either unwilling or incapable of solving a problem. Now, now. New York, I mean, I think we are really on the edge of New York of a major collapse because uh, you, you have many of the big firms in New York City, for example, saying, why should we stay in a city that is falling apart and where 
where our employees don't even want to come into work. They want to work from home so they don't have to travel when we can go to a nicer part of the country at a much lower price. Uh, I think the only thing keeping a lot of these corporations in uh, in New York City are the wives of the CEOs who like going to the theater, you know, or go, going to New York parties. Right. Uh, but And you have in California a situation where I'm afraid that the governor of the state, to a certain degree, is a wokester himself and really believes in a lot of this stuff. Now, he is going to be, without any question, should Joe Biden falter in uh, the next year, uh, Gavin Newsom wants to be president, and he will have the California delegation behind him and in any fight. We may wind up with a, a President Newsom, and the country will become California, and that is not something we want to be. No, that's going to be tough. That's because California is not something to imitate. I mean, California is a disaster. I mean, look at San Francisco, poor San Francisco. I always thought of San Francisco in previous trips that I took there, business trips that I took there for the most part. It was one of the loveliest cities that I ever remember. Oh, yes. In fact, I remember telling uh, some friends of mine from Mexico one time, we were having a conversation and, and he asked me, what what are the you know, what do you think are the great American cities? And I said, well, it depends, uh, a lot of different factors. But two cities, I said this about 20 years ago, Bill, two cities really stand out in my mind as very unique cities, not necessarily great cities, but unique, the kind of city that you would enjoy visiting as an outsider, New Orleans and San Francisco, two very unique cities, very unique architecture, uh, restaurants, culture, and I haven't been to New Orleans in a while. That That's not as bad as San Francisco. But what I see these videos from San Francisco is just absolutely stunning. It is. I don't know how anybody, there was a big page, a uh, newspaper article. Well, not an article, but somebody bought like the whole page on a newspaper. One of the local merchants basically saying, uh, you got to make this a livable city. You're not making it livable. So, it's really sad. I think it's sad because when your cities fall apart, Bill, what else do you have? Well, the, the cities are the, the the heartbeat of of the country in many respects uh, because, first of all, that's usually where the great centers of, of the arts are. Uh, it is where the great centers of commerce are. That doesn't mean other parts of the country don't play an enormous role. They do, and it's a growing role, interestingly enough. Many other states are now, because of what is going on in the big cities, are now having their day of sunshine. I mean, states like Tennessee, Kentucky are growing. Uh, of course, Texas has been booming. Florida has been booming. We never thought of Florida as the dynamo that it is today. But under the current uh, uh, administration, it has really become a giant among American states. And the states that are faltering are the old traditional Democratic states, uh, New York, uh, California, Illinois, which is a basket case. I mean, they keep on making changes in Illinois rules to make it easier for criminals. Right. I, mean, I mean, maybe they want to get as many criminals to buy homes and they'll supply the money. I and don't then, know, but they're falling apart because, yes, because the city, I mean, you always associate, I mean, you think of Major League Baseball. The teams are in cities. The That's cities, right. you know, the New York Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, whatever. And and uh, the city, uh, I mean, like the city of Baltimore, it's a dis- it's a disaster. And yes. if you w- watch a lot of these baseball games and you and you read a little bit about who's going to the games, most of the people going to the games are driving in from the suburbs. 
Oh, yeah. yes. Very few people who actually live in the cities anymore who actually go to these games, Bill. That's right. And and let's not forget, uh, when we're talking about this subject, the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., has become oh. a dis- an absolute disgrace to the country. Absolutely. See, people are afraid to go in and, and visit national monuments. Right. And isn't that, like you say, a disgrace? Because that, again, I went there to to see the monuments at one time in my life and what what a beautiful city it was. Now, it's just absolutely horrible. And it's really on on the on the lap of these Democrat politicians, Bill, who are letting this happen. Absolutely. The, the governors in particular. Well, speaking of Democrat politicians, Bill, let me get your reaction here to to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. It, it, it's almost it seems like every week that you and I chat, it gets more comical. Now we have father and son. First, they were talking to each other. Then the president was or vice president, then I guess, was checking in on the business meetings. We were told that he was checking about the weather. Um, now they're communicating using, uh, I guess, two or three fake names. I mean, this is almost getting uh, ridiculous, Bill. It sounds like a rejected James Bond movie. You know, that, that they all think they're 007 and they're really not. They're really 000. Right. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing that what we have lost in this co- country, possibly intentionally, is common sense. You know, if it looks like a duck and talks like a duck and moves like a duck, it's probably a duck. You see this relationship between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. You see Joe Biden owning big mansions in Delaware on a government salary. Uh, you see the trips they took together. And and we're supposed to believe that, well, there's not really any evidence that they were working together. Come on. I mean, it doesn't take much to figure out what was going on here. This is a this is this is the family business, the family brand, as they called it. The, the Biden brand was, was a brand with a name on it that could buy influence. And, and I, the, if, this, if, if it were the other way around and a Republican president were doing this, you would never hear anything else all day long from, from CNN. I mean, it would all be that. But the, the press is desperately trying to get Biden out of trouble. And unfortunately, so far, they seem to have exceeded, uh, succeeded, except that the public opinion is is negative toward Biden. And I think this is one of the big factors. The question is, how, how negative will it become? If the Republicans continue to press the case in the House of Representatives, they may get some movement. If, you, if, you, if, if a smoking gun comes out, and I think it probably will, or a piece of bombshell information, I think it probably will, combined with the fact that the president is in such poor physical condition, the Democratic Party might just say to look, we, we can't go through with this. But what would that what what would that what what would have to happen, I think, for that to go all the way toward the end of the Biden presidency and the beginning of a new era in democratic politics, it would require Donald Trump to get off the Republican ticket. I think they're hoping that Trump will be the nominee and that Biden will easily win because Trump is so unpopular in so many circles. I think that's what they're betting on, because I don't think on his own Trump could win an election. Well, he's the only, in my opinion, he's the only Republican who, given the state of the country, would would have a hard time winning. Yeah. I mean, he, even he could he, he could win. Yes. Given that the, the country's in such bad shape and we'll talk about 
one of those issues in a minute. But I, I think anybody else, DeSantis, Youngkin, uh, any of those other people, I think would have an easier time because they they wouldn't have to be talking all the time about all these other issues that Trump, unfortunately, has to talk about. But I, I agree with you. I, th I think we mentioned before that there's a very good chance that neither Biden nor Trump are running against each other. I would bet you a Coke. I just usually just, I bet small things as you know. Right. But I'll bet you, a, well, a soda or a coffee or whatever, that Biden will not be the nominee. Uh, Trump is still 50-50. But Bill, what I keep saying to myself is how much time there is left. Uh, we're talking about August of the year before. And I think I mentioned it one time that if you go back to August 1975, did anybody believe Jimmy Carter would, would win the nomination or the presidency? If you go back to August of, of 2007, did anybody think President Obama would or Barack Obama would defeat Hillary Clinton at this stage? And in 2015, at this stage, uh, I don't think Donald Trump was beating Jeb Bush and some of the others. So there's still a lot of time left. Yeah. And, and I think Trump is benefiting a little bit from the overkill that these Democrats are doing. But even, I guess, I mean, I, I guess they have already, they've done all, all of the indictments. I don't know if there's any more coming. So I, I guess from now on, at least there won't be any more indictments, Bill. I wouldn't be surprised if there were. I mean, I think that there's some small prosecutors somewhere can gin something up. And remember, we, we, the way the schedule is supposed to run next year, the trials, or at least some of the trials of Donald Trump, will occur during the election campaign. That is, it's, it's absolutely unprecedented. You couldn't write this as a movie and get away with it. Uh, and the question then becomes, do the Republicans say, look, we can't nominate a man who's on trial. Right. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. There won't be any time for the campaign. He'll be in court every day. And yet, on the other hand, what if the polls start showing him getting more and more popular as the underdog? But then if he's but the, what if he's convicted and they sentence him and he gets elected president? Now, apparently, if it's, a, it's <laughs> apparently on the federal side, he could pardon himself, but not on the state side. He has no power to pardon himself in a, in a state situation. Uh, and also. One of the things we ought to take into account now, and it's going to start this week, is there are going to be Republican debates and people will watch and enough people may like some of the other candidates to say, you know, we really don't need Trump, but let's, let's give this other guy a chance. Uh, and that may that may happen also. And remember, the unpredictable factor is always world events. Right. World events can become very, very difficult in the next year. And the American people may, may want more choices and also there is talk how serious it is i don't know there is talk of a third party uh, this uh, organization called no labels is sponsoring uh, talks and meetings our problem with that is as a nation is that if you go back to the 1952 presidential election the republican party had been out of power for 20 years out of power in the white house uh, uh, 20 years of democratic presidents they really didn't have anybody. The, their, their leading guy was Robert Taft, very honorable senator from Ohio, brilliant man, but very much a man of the past. Uh, the, the party was split between its uh, country wing and the New York uh, businessmen who had nominated Thomas Dewey twice, and he had lost twice. 
they really didn't have an obvious front runner. Well, who enters the picture but Dwight Eisenhower? We're not even sure to this day that Dwight Eisenhower was really a Republican, but poof, they made him a Republican. And of course, he was a man of such stature that he could run on the basis of his own record, really detached from any party, and he won the election, and he, and he won re-election. We don't have any person like that no. today in America. No, I thought a few years ago, and, and, and this was a few years ago, after the Iraq War, I thought that Petraeus, General yes. Petraeus, could be that man. Yes. Because he had such respect uh, for the way he was able to put that war together and that plan that they put together. That was pretty successful. And I thought there's a man who could fill that that role. But uh, unfortunately, he ran into into other problems. Uh, but I thought he could be he could be the one. But if I could say something about the debates, Bill, uh, before we talk about the economy, I if I was one of the candidates, uh, I, or I would recommend one of the candidates that if the subject of Trump comes up, and it will, uh, I would say, look, I don't want to talk about Trump. He's not here, so let's talk about something else, and and. Hopefully, if enough of them do that, they'll have a chance to talk about the issues. Yes, because there so. are some really brilliant people in that group. Yes, that that young man Vivek. Yes, uh, I he's brilliant. Just to hear him talk, he fascinates me. Yes, he and, he, ne- he needs he needs brushing up on the issues because he's talking, you know, to a to to an empty uh, to an empty sky. Uh, but I fully agree with you. It's listening to him is a pleasure. Once they, if if he gets the nomination, which is a long shot, once they take him on, he will really have to know the issues in detail. Right. Uh, but but he is he is definitely a young star, and there are others on the on who are running for president on the Republican side who have years of experience. Uh, Mike Pence, uh, uh, the governor uh, from North Dakota or South Dakota. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, he's a. A businessman who succeeded. He succeeded. As I think governor. he's from North Dakota. I think. Yes. Who's a very? He's a very successful. Uh, I mean, I heard him the other day. He's very. He's very good. There, there seems to be a very good, capable group of people, which I think, Bill, really shows the contrast. Because if you had six or seven Democrats, let's say running for president, uh, let's say Biden were to retire. Six or seven, there's no way they come up to the rank of, of the quality of these. And and this group doesn't even include Yunkin. That's I was just good about yeah. to say that. Yes. I think Yunkin is the is the the secret candidate. There's there is money behind him, uh, and there is plenty of interest behind him. I think that if he gets in, I don't know how I really have no idea how you time something like this because the others will be introduced to the country first. In fact, it's this Wednesday night that Fox is holding its debate. Uh, Yunkin would probably have to get in pretty soon. And he is he is a very good campaigner in the, the sense that as people see more of him, they like him more and more. Right. The, the sad thing about DeSantis is, is he he hasn't really evolved as a man who can speak directly to people and make him make them like him. And that's it's, it's required. It's required. I don't know what the problem is, because uh, he certainly was a good campaigner in Florida and uh, won by 20 points. He's a good governor. Very good governor. I mean, you would think that, you know, being a good governor in a state like Florida would be uh, would be a good thing to have on your resume. But but you're right. He hasn't taken off. And I'm disappointed because I thought that that he would. 
Bill, one more topic I want to bring up, and this could be an issue in, in the upcoming campaign. And I would just say, I would just label this topic, the cost of housing. There's a very interesting article that came out. I sent you a copy of it. And there was some economist who was at CNN. And the economist made the point that we are now at a level of affordability uh, similar to where we, were for, where we were 40 years ago. The last time we had a housing crisis and interest rates and all of that, obviously the numbers have changed because it's 40 years ago. But more and more people cannot afford housing. Uh, inflation is really tearing up people, despite the fact they tell us that it's not, but inflation is. You see all kinds of little signs in the economy, like automobile loans are more and more auto people cannot pay their automobile loans on time. So all of these little signs, but the cost of housing is the one that really must be concerning to the Democrats because everybody understands the cost of housing bill. Oh, they do. They see it every day. And they, they it's like the cost of food. These are things they see every day, the cost of housing, the cost of food, the cost of gasoline. And it is true that especially young people coming out of school, uh, where do they go? I mean, even if they have a reasonably decent job, a reasonably de reasonably decent job doesn't do it for you anymore because most of these people coming out of school are single. It's a single income situation. You know, when I was growing up, most of America was was a uh, was a single uh, 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 earner situation. Most women did not work. It was usually done on the man's salary. And people lived reasonably comfortably. Now, even with two incomes, it is extremely difficult to make ends meet for most people. There may be a few professions, uh, you know, of high earners, but they are not that commonplace. And I think a lot of the reporting we get on this from the television networks is based on the on an economy made up of well-paid anchormen who, who, who think being paid $7 million a year is average, you know? And they don't understand most people don't, get that kind of money uh the husband and the wife work which means they have to have in many cases daycare it is becoming a struggle for the majority of american citizens that's right and some of the other things too i was talking to a real estate agent after i read that article that i sent to you i was talking to a real estate agent and wanted to get some like perspective from someone who's out there and he was telling me that what's happening at least here in texas is that people, you know, have the opportunity, let's say they want to sell their home and get into a bigger one, or as often happens with families, you know, they need to get a bigger house. But the problem is when, when they look at a new house, not only is the price pretty high, but they're going to have to give up their low interest rates. Yes. And when you go from an interest rate of three or four, let's say to six or seven, that has an impact on your mortgage as well. Oh, absolutely. So, so they find themselves, you know, almost the, uh, the feeling is, well, let me just keep my house. At least the mortgage rates or the mortgage interest rates are low. And people are doing that, which is, of course, impacting uh, the housing market bill. That's absolutely true. And uh, again, you have the, the rigidity, the freezing of the, uh, of uh, the housing stock, uh, many uh, areas don't have enough housing, especially if they want to build their economies. And yes, uh, housing affordability, the, auto, the affordability of a new automobile, uh, at least up to now, from what I've seen, 
I think the, 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 the cost of cars has stabilized somewhat, but they are still extremely high compared to what they were before the pandemic, and they're not giving away any deals. And when you add to that, many, and, and, and people forget this, the cost of basic utilities have gone up dramatically. Uh, in many areas, the cost of electricity, uh, the cost of uh, fuel oil for the home gone up uh, dramatically. We are in a tough spot. Maybe Mr. Biden thinks Biden economics have worked. They really haven't. No. And the cost of gasoline, of course, is, to, to me, the cost of gasoline is the biggest factor when it comes to inflation. Yes. Because if, if the gasoline goes up like we've seen it go up here from 319 to 359, that will eventually show up in the price of everything else, though. Yes, it will. And I, I over the weekend, I paid 409 at my local station here in New York. Now, gasoline is always high in New York because the taxes are so numerous on gasoline, but it's it's 409. And then what are they telling people? Well, you can take public transportation. You know, when you tell people to live a lower lifestyle, not that public transportation is bad, but when they have a car, they want to use it. They want to enjoy their car. Uh, and I think there is in the, uh, the on the left today, an idea is you're living too well. You're living too well, and, and because you're living too well, the planet is going to disappear. And they believe this stuff. They've really convinced themselves that if people continue to live reasonably well in America, that the, pl the planet will disappear. I mean, these are not people who believe in science. They're people who believe in fantasy. And we are in that rut, and I don't know how you get out of that rut, especially with the current level of government we have. Right, and uh, also education. Oh, well. So a, a lot of those people are, are believing that stuff. Oh, yes. Uh, because of the education that they are getting. Um, well, Bill, my goodness, how quickly 30 minutes go when, when you and I get together. But I want to thank you again for uh, for getting together and chatting. And uh, one quick thing, I the, do you have any? Oh, I, no, I was going to tell you before before we stopped. I was going to tell you that our temperature right now, it's 102. Oh, and wow. That it's going to be this whole week is going to be as high as 107. But here's the good news, Bill. Here's the good news. We will not break the record. Uh, the record is from 1980, was 30 consecutive days, and we'll make it up to 28. But here's another one for the climate change people. Uh, the record for one-day temperature was actually set in 1951, which I think they used to call it summer back then. Yes. Not... <laughs> not <laughs> I think they used to call this stuff summer back in 1951. So that not, you know, as I said before, I mean, I'm not against climate change, but like, like you've said many times, I need more information before I, I'm willing to commit my whole life and turn over all my manufacturing to the Chinese. I need more information, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're not getting the information. The, the failure of the press is one of the great stories of our time, but only the press can tell it. And that, that, they're not going to tell it. No, they're not. Bill, as always, thank you very much for your time. Have a wonderful day. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day, and uh, we will do it again next uh, week. Looking forward to it, Sylvia. Thank you so much. Uh, our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. We get together once a week. We kick around all these issues like we did today and have a lot of fun and uh, learn a great deal. I always learn a lot when I talk to, when I talk to Bill. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later.